Lots to talk about today with our Aussie correspondent Chris Russell based out of Sydney. We were chatting to Angus Gidley Baird from Rabobank in Sydney yesterday, Chris, and he was just reinforcing the message we're getting over here. El Nino, what El Nino? You haven't really had the drought on the East Coast anyhow that you were expecting. So land prices have risen, which is good news for us in a way, because when you were quitting all your lambs, that trashed our market. Yes, well, I think, you know, we've seen them, if you actually look at what's happened on the land market, it's, it's gone up and down and up and down. Um, they got down to, if you look at, at uh, the, the, uh, about mid-January, they got down to around about just below $80. Now we're back up to $110. So, uh, mind you, that is Australia Day week, and we always see good use, a good take-up of lamb in that week, thanks to the ad campaigns and, and the traditions that have been established commercially really by Meat and Livestock Australia for everyone to eat lamb on on Australia Day. Do you have any, so Chris sorry to interrupt, but do you have any numbers around the increase in lamb consumption on Australia Day? So I haven't seen this year's figures but traditionally that lamb ad campaign is sought to increase consumption by about 25% locally of course. So uh, this year it's been interesting because the prices actually have gone down. I was buying lamb chops last week for $16 a kilo instead of $25. Um, and for lamb roasts, they've been down to $8 a kilo. So the gap between what the farmers are getting and what the, the, the shop uh, buyers are buying is certainly getting narrower. And I, if you're a cynic, you'd say it's because there's a big inquiry on at the moment um, investigating whether the supermarkets are ripping people off and not passing enough of the market prices on, Jamie. Yeah, I understand the old farmers are protesting a wee bit about being ripped off uh, by the two big supermarkets, your duopoly. We've got the same sort of situation here. Talk to me about this live animal export ship uh, marooned off the coast of Western Australia. 15,000 head on board, can't redock, but it can't go through the Red Sea. It's a no man's land. Well, it is, and it looks like they're, they're going to have to ship it back to the Middle East, but via the Cape of Good Hope. Um, it's the uh, MV Bahija, which is partly Israeli-owned, and that's the issue. It's virtually a dead certainty to be hit by missiles if it goes anywhere near the Red Sea. So it took off from Western Australia, then was sent back again because they, you know, about 10 days ago, because they said, well, you know, we're not going to risk that. Um, so now, and then because it's left Australian waters, the rules say that those sheep can't be, those sheep can't be disembarked or cattle. Uh, it's got both on board back into Australia because they've actually been in foreign waters. Now, I suppose this relates to the potential biosecurity risk from birds coming in from Indonesia as it sails past Indonesia or any of those countries and, and uh, causing an infection we don't have. But nonetheless, uh, it left on the 5th of January and we're now sitting with it on the shores of Western Australia and the RSPCA is saying, well, these poor animals are going to be sitting there up to their necks in manure and, um, you know, we need to get them off. And the government's saying, well, we're not going to take them off. And the owner is saying, well, we're going to have to ship them back there, but they're going to have to go the long way around. So uh, it's a real state of limbo. And the Export Council uh, has been making, of course, waves to say, well, don't let this put you off the idea of live exports because they're so important, Jamie. Well, it's one thing sending stuff over there. It's another thing importing stuff from the Middle East. And we know a lot of our fertiliser, for instance, comes from there. Going to be some real issues as this uh, Red Sea Suez Canal thing drags on. Well, there 
use. And the thing with fertilizer, of course, for some time now, we haven't been able to get a lot of our fertilizer out of China. Chinese phosphate um, have been uh, kind of banned from export from up there because they're trying to keep them for their local use. So we've been getting them from, uh, from the Middle East via the Red Sea. And now, once again, we're, we're having trouble getting hold of those. There's not that many uh, alternatives. So we now look at bolstering our uh, storage and, and handling of uh, phosphate fertiliser, and particularly here in Australia, just to make sure that we don't end up with a shortage of that just as we're planting the new crop, Jamie. Chris Russell, thanks for your time from Australia. Long may it keep raining and those land prices go up and ours will hopefully follow suit on this side of the Tasman. Cheers. No worries. Bye.